Our Old Testament reading today is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains, make, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make, city, make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading is Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And they are justified by his grace as a gift through the, redem through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that, no, that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. 
for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we are, Reformation Day. Reformation for us Lutherans gets the blood moving and pulsing and moving forward because, after all, Reformation is about the central article of our faith, that the work of Christ alone appeases God's wrath, redeems the sinner, and that's not just here, but also eternally. And you know that this truth brought forth to light by that Reformation in Wittenberg where it started, where Martin Luther was called to testify before the emperor, and now we get the joy and privilege of teaching that truth from the scriptures to each generation following. And what a blessing that truth is. It is indeed a truth that sets us free. A, a truth that helps us understand yet again that we by ourselves cannot earn or merit heaven. Do we understand that yet, folks, right? That there is nothing that we can do to get into heaven. Thank you. I'm glad somebody's sure of that, okay? After all, that is a biblical truth. God has said, you know, that you must be righteous, perfect, and keep my law fully in order to have salvation in eternity. And you and I, we know that Christ's saving work on the cross is the center of our church's teaching and practice. That's why we can sing joyfully, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And you know how often it is that we can call on God because he's not our enemy, but he is the one who has saved us by his son. And you know, in the historical background to the Reformation, you have in Germany in the 16th century, Duke the Frederick uh, the Wise, uh, and he was of Saxony, and he had a very expansive, and I do mean expansive, collection of church relics, an inventory that in 1518 listed 17,443 items. Now these were bones and pieces and fragments of stone or wood or old garments and just all sorts of things that he had collected. And he had put some of them on display at the, at the castle church there in Wittenberg and people would pay an entrance fee hoping by pop, uh, proper veneration 
of those relics to earn maybe up to two million years off their time in purgatory after their death. And this tied in with that flourishing trade in indulgences where the church sold forgiveness of sins. Well, needless to say, Martin Luther, as he discovered the gospel in the word, could no longer abide by these abominations. And so on the eve of the opening of this exhibit, what does he do but put his 95 theses for debate at the church door? And he also mailed them, by the way, to the Archbishop of Mainz. And, you know, how amazing that is, that as all these people gathered and went in to see these bones and fragments and stones and wooden pieces, that they would have to see these theological statements and read them and have scholars then debate those in the coming days. In our reading today from Romans, St. Paul systematically lays out our Christian teaching on righteousness. He does so in a judicial context, from Adam's lawlessness to Christ's complete fulfillment of the law. Chapters 1 and 2 in Romans, the divine case unfolds, leading to the conclusion of the prosecuting attorney summarized in our reading today. All men are guilty before God. Man left to himself is destined for death row. But then, all of a sudden, Paul makes an incredible turn in the defense because Paul has Christ show up for our defense. The apostle argues on the basis of anthropology, which seems increasingly foreign to contemporary society, that man is not good by nature, and that it's not up to each individual to decide what rules to live by, and nor is man his own judge, which would lead either to dangerous pride, to, you know, I'm a good person after all, or to utter despair, I'll never be good enough. You notice our Lutheran road runs right between those two. It's a narrow path, but a scriptural one, that we understand that God maintains both his justice and his mercy, his doctrine of law and gospel, so that we can see the need for grace and how grace provides us a way through. So you and I, we are Lutherans by faith and trust in what God's word says that we know we can't save ourselves, but that Christ intercedes for us and pays the price that we could not pay. Now, I want to kind of take you back a few years ago now to 2002. 
there was a Steven Spielberg uh, movie called Catch Me If You Can. Some of you might have seen it. And there's a character, and the actor is probably more renowned than the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio. And he impersonates first a pilot, then a medical doctor, and after falling in love with a hospital worker, he then pretends that he's an attorney, and last of all, that he's a Lutheran. <laughs> Listen to this, you know. And, you know, he seems to have reached a point in this movie where he almost believes his own lies, his own story. But eventually, as in all plots, the FBI catches up with him at his engagement party, and this character confesses to his bride, yeah, I'm not a doctor, I never went to medical school, I'm not a Harvard graduate or a Lutheran. And she tries to respond and finally says, what? You're not a Lutheran? <laughs> you see, that was for him, for her and her dad, that was the most important part of his identity. So what does it mean for you and I today to be a Lutheran? I mean, is Reformation Day the only Lutheran thing there is? Is there more to it to being a Lutheran? And I think that maybe our best start here would be to answer with some things that sound very un-Lutheran, okay? Okay, so let's just throw out some statements here. You tell me, true or false, okay? Righteous works are necessary for salvation. Okay. You know, Luther had been taught that God will only love you if you keep all his commandments. And God's judgment day indeed is not a medieval invention, but is clearly taught in the scripture as we confess in the creed. Okay. So here we have, if we walk down those statements, Luther thought God would only love him if he would keep all the commandments. And he tried very hard to keep up with all those because he feared eternal punishment. And so the more Luther tried, the more he despaired because he didn't have the same answers we did to those questions. You see, he read the demands of the law with his eyes, not on Christ, but on himself. He looked not only at his outward righteousness, but also into his heart. He came to hate in the Bible the word righteousness of God. Because to him, that meant the righteousness that God demands of him. And Luther felt like a convicted criminal in court without a lawyer. Now, seeing how Luther felt, isn't it wonderful how God's word gave him grace? As Luther would read God's word, 
all of a sudden things would open up to him. And he saw that, you know, for himself as a sinner, he couldn't do righteous works. But Christ in his stead did the righteous work. Do you notice when all of a sudden Christ becomes the view? Everything starts lining up. It's almost as if, well, golly gee, you twist a puzzle around and all of a sudden, just a certain way, and lo and behold, there you have Jesus. Luther saw Jesus then in everything. When we put our lives and our eyes on Jesus, then we see the Father's grace for us. There we see the path which Christ has walked for you and I, where he gave up his life, where he gave up his freedom. He gave up his breath for us so that we could have his righteousness as a gift. Now all of a sudden, this talk of righteousness becomes a, a gift. It becomes grace. It becomes a covering that is more than a covering but actually seeps inside as well and forgives us our sins. And all of a sudden, truth sets us free. So many times you and I we hear God's law and we say, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to do that. And sometimes we even get really down on ourselves. Sometimes we even, well, rather than confront the truth of our sinfulness, we even avoid church people or going to church. But folks, this is where the remedy is. This is where fallen people gather together to see where God has provided help, healing, forgiveness, and eternity for us. So let us not wander away by ourselves, but be gathered together and keep our eyes on Jesus. So you and I, Righteous works can only come from a sinless person. That means Christ alone. True God and yet true man. Jesus has fulfilled the law in perfect love. He has shown that our God is just, that he upholds the law by fulfilling it. And therefore, you and I, as Lutherans, we understand that the church stands or falls. It stands or falls on whether or not we understand Christ's work for us is complete on the cross. I mean, after all, what did Jesus exclaim out on the cross? It is
Yes, his act of sacrifice for us is finished. He has indeed given us his righteousness. He has paid the price. That's why we wear red today. We remember the blood of Jesus shed for us. We see red around us as we remember the Holy Spirit guides and directs us now. And as you and I, as we, as God's people whom he has bled for, go out from this place, we remember with joy what our God has accomplished for us and tell others about it. So may you and I today May we, as Lutherans, remember, remember that it is in Christ we are saved, that it is by grace we are saved, and that the Scripture proclaims that truth. You might have heard an echo in the back there, by faith alone, by grace alone, by Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. All of that done for us so that we are righteous on account of Christ. May you and I as Lutherans don't have to falsely think of ourselves as Lutherans because we are. Okay? Because we know that Christ's righteousness is now ours as a gift. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.